Welcome to the weekly message from Rama Family Church. It is our hope that as you listen to this message, you will come to know Jesus better and be established in your faith and equipped for the work of the ministry. You can view the sermon notes and listen online at rhema.org.au forward slash media. We're going to get into the Word. Are you ready for um, the Word? We're just so grateful for His Word. Let's bow our heads and thank Him. Father God, in advance, before we even hear it, we know that when we come to you, you're the one with the words of life. And we've, we're doing what um, Caleb was talking about. We turn our eyes on Jesus. We look full in his wonderful face. And we receive words that you have for us today from the word of God. Help us to hear it and help us to do it. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. Well, for some reason, there is this, um, I don't know, it's uh, some way that the Lord has been working together with me in this season of my life, and it hasn't always been this way, but it is this way now, where uh, I'll wake up and there'll be a word that is just like sounding in my heart. Sometimes it's a, a phrase, but often it's just a word, but it's real strong. It's like it's uh, engraved. And so I um, uh, had that happen Monday morning um, in the middle of the night. <laughs> it, was, it was morning, but it was still, the lights were out. And um, it was the word default. I heard it real strong default. So um, I got out of bed and went downstairs and and just looked it up. I thought, what is that? And actually default can be used about different areas, um, legal and sports and, you know, there can be different ways that that word default is used. Even real estate, it can be used. This is what I found and I knew that he wanted us to talk about today. And you can put up the definition. It says, default judgment is a binding judgment in favor of either party passed on some failure to take action by the other party. Most often it is a judgment in favor of a plaintiff when the defendant has not responded to a summons or has failed to appear before a court of law. The the failure to take action is the default. And then the definition, dictionary definition went on this way. Default can be compared to a forfeit victory. In sports, they do, there is, they, they do make delineation between forfeit and, and default. But generally, they're in the same, it's just given up. The victory is just given up. Then it, the definition went on to say this, failure to act. Inaction or neglect. That's what he wanted us to talk about today. So we're calling this today, show up for the fight. Show up for the fight. Some weeks ago, actually months probably, uh, the Lord put on my heart a a sermon, um, putting the brakes on evil. And to give an example about this brake system from the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God has a break system for evil. It is the only thing that can stop evil, actually, is the kingdom of God, kingdom of light. But um, we use the break system like of a car because uh, in the break system of a car, there, well, there is a pedal in the floorboard of of the driver's seat to put put the brake on, That brake won't go on. It'll just go to the floor and nothing will happen if there aren't other components of the brake system 
in place and functioning. In the kingdom of God, there is a break system for evil that has different components as well. And we looked at four of those different components and talked about them. One of those four uh, we didn't really talk about. We only mentioned it and gave one verse of Scripture. And that's the one we're going to talk about today because it does have to do with this word default. And that is the component of using our authority in what we were singing about today, the name of Jesus, the word of God. There's authority, all right? So in 2 Kings, the 7th chapter, we're not going there um, to read it, but there's a story in 2 Kings, the 7th chapter about um, a time when Syria had laid siege to the city of Samaria. And sieges are really an awful, awful tactic of war. It's just a, a slow strangulation of a, of a town, of a community. And they choke out the, the, the food supply. They choke out the, the water supply until people from the inside just, you know, yeah, this, the city just starts dying from the inside. It's a horrible way uh, of, of fighting. But this is what was happening. Syria had laid this siege on Samaria, and it was really, they had, um, they'd run out of everything and had actually resorted to cannibalism. It was awful. Anyway, what ended up happening was um, outside the city gates of, uh, in those days um, would be provided housing for Lepers, because lepers were not allowed to live inside the city. They had to live outside, and they were uh, separated from everything because of the contagion of their disease. So there were four lepers living outside of Samaria in a, in the, in a place there, and they couldn't get in the city. And even if they did, there was no food in the city. They were starving themselves. They had leprosy themselves. Right, right across the way and down the way is the Syrian army and enemy. I mean, they are so bleak. There's no hope at all. But one of those lepers said something that is a famous verse. He said this, Why sit we here until we die? I remember hearing that ever since I was a little girl. Why sit we here until we die? So they, they decided they weren't just going to wait to die. And they decided what they would do is go to the Syrian army and see if maybe they could get some food or something. Now, the worst thing that could happen is the Syrians would kill them. But why sit we here until we die? Let's do something. Let's do something. Well, they went, they did. They, they went to the Syrian army. But when they acted, so did God. And he made a sound and amplified a sound that came out of heaven that sounded like armies. And the Syrian army thought that Samaria had hired other armies. And they absolutely ran for their lives, left their food, left their horses, left, left the spoils of war, left everything in their tents and just ran for their lives. So these four lepers that decided they weren't just going to sit there till they died, found all this stuff. They started gorging themselves, just started eating and stacking up with all kind of stuff that they were finding in the tent until one of them said, this isn't right. 
we need to tell somebody about this. Anyway, the rest of the story is interesting. It's quite a story. I, I, I like that story. But I suppose the, the most dramatic story of default and losing by default is um, it's the greatest default story in the history of mankind is the story of Adam not using the dominion that God gave to him when he created him. He told him to take dominion and guard his garden. And the creatures and everything that was in that garden, everything was peaceful and lovely until one creature came into that garden that was the father of lies, most dangerous. You know what Adam did? Instead of driving that creature out of the garden and telling him to shut up in his temptation to his wife, he just didn't show up. And Adam lost by default everything. And so we're praying for Ukraine this morning. Other things that are going on. The collateral damage was amazing. But there is a, a last Adam. The Bible calls him the last Adam. One of the many names of Jesus Christ is the last Adam because we got another go. Hallelujah. Aren't you glad for the last Adam? <laughs> Because he came to do all the damage that was done by the first Adam. And we're going to look and see how Jesus modeled authority over the enemy. And just learn some things. Jesus, Jesus demonstrated authority in rebuking him, casting him out, telling him that he could not talk. He'd stop him from, from what he was saying. Uh, and so Jesus did a lot. There's a lot of teaching in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John from Jesus, who's expert in this area. And I, I uh, believe that uh, he would have us to look at some of what he said. So we're going to go to Luke, the fourth chapter. And in this chapter, Jesus isn't just dealing with, um, you know, a, a demon of a, of a spirit of infirmity or, you know, unclean spirit or something like that. He's actually dealing with Satan himself, and it is against him, his personal run-in with Satan. And so let's begin in verse 1. Then Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan River. He was led by the Spirit in the wilderness. Then the devil said to him, If you are the Son of God, tell this stone to become a loaf of bread. But Jesus told him, No. Before we go any further, I'd like us just to get that two-letter word in our mouth. Can we do it? On the count of three, say it. One, two, three. Now, let's say it like Jesus would have said it that day, not casually, not kind of. One, two, three. So Jesus told Satan, no. And then he said, the scriptures say he went ahead to say what the scriptures say. People do not live by bread alone. The devil wasn't done with the temptation. He went ahead and kept going. Then the devil took him up and revealed to him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. I will give you the glory of these kingdoms and authority over them, the devil said. But they are mine because they are mine to give to anyone I please. I will give it all to you if you will worship me. Jesus replied, that sounds like a good deal. I've always wanted to rule the world, and I feel like that's my destiny. This is an amazing offer. Wow. What do you say I have to do? Worship you? Guys, are we glad Jesus didn't fall for that one? He 
did not worship Satan, but this is what he did do. He replied, the scriptures say, or it is written, the scriptures say you must worship the Lord your God and serve him only. The devil kept his, his temptation happening with another approach. Then the devil took him to Jerusalem to the highest point of the temple and said, if you are the son of God, jump off. But the scriptures say, and it's interesting here, that now the devil's trying to do a spin with the word in a tricky way. But the scriptures say he will order his angels to protect and guard you, and they will hold you up with their hands so you won't even hurt your foot on a stone. Jesus responded, the scriptures also say you must not test the Lord your God. When the devil had finished tempting Jesus, he left him until the next opportunity came. It also shows the characteristic of the, our enemy that he is, he is diligent and persistent to try to find a way. Well, now we're, let's look at some things we can learn. There's so much we could, we could learn from this example in Scripture, but we're just going to look at a few something that we can learn in our interaction with the enemy that every single one of us have, the devil. Listen to this. Jesus did not try to reason with the devil. He did not try to negotiate with the devil. If you get to thinking that you can can be smart with him and try to reason around him. You're going for something that Jesus Christ himself didn't. Don't. The second thing is that Jesus did not discuss or argue his identity or his destiny with the devil. Twice in these three temptations, twice, the devil used this temptation. He said, if you are the son of God, do this. In Jesus' response to the devil, he never even addressed who he was. He didn't, he didn't, uh, he didn't argue or he didn't discuss his identity with the devil. You say, why? Because it really didn't matter. It matters what God says you are. It's ma it matters what God defines you as. It doesn't matter at all what the enemy of your life says about you. You don't have to argue it. Jesus didn't. You don't see him flailing his arms and saying, I'm the son of God. Be nice to me. <laughs> he didn't argue his or discuss his destiny. The, the devil was throwing that out here about ruling the world the nations of the world. We do believe every knee will bow and every tongue will confess. All the nations will go up and bow down. We do believe that. Jesus knew that. But he didn't discuss it with the devil. You don't have to discuss your destiny with the father of lies. He's, he's brilliant at trying to confuse. You don't discuss comes purely from God. Jesus just addressed the enemy from the word. Don't carry on conversations with the devil. You don't see Jesus sitting down on the rock and saying, you know, let me tell you, uh, let, let me hear, devil, what, what, where are you coming at? What, 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 are you, what are you thinking? What, what, why are you coming at me like this? 
ever ask the devil, why? Why are you doing this? Oh, he'll give you every reason that will bind you up. You don't converse with him. And my, um, my kids have a cousin who uh, one time there was a manifestation of a spirit through a, a young girl and there was a man's voice came out of her. They, they were like, whoa, that's weird. That's not a movie. That's weird. And so they just started conversing and asking questions and the devil's giving all kinds of, and they talked for a couple hours just listening to the devil. Jesus didn't model that. He actually shut him down. He didn't really want any words coming out of him because every word that comes out of his mouth is darkness and deceit. Don't listen to it. Another thing that Jesus modeled here, your anger and emotions don't do anything but delight him. Name-calling, he loves it. Think about it. it you know, I'm talking about just natural fighting, like if you were wonderful in martial arts and can flip and kick and chop, and, or maybe you're good with a sword and can really, or way you go and you're doing this and that and the other. But what if your opponent's in the other room? You can be as fancy as you will, but you're not connecting anything to the enemy. It's not even in the right room. The devil is a spirit. And if you're coming at him in an explosion of emotion, all he's doing is loving it. You make me so mad. Let me just tell you, the reason I know these things is I've had these explosions on the devil. <laughs> Please, anybody in here help me? Did anyone else explode on him? You make me so mad. What? You know, you just wish you could just see him and poke his eye or do something to put a hurt on him because he's hurt, you know. He steals, kills, and destroys you. <laughs> He loves it. Don't give him what he loves. Don't do it. Name calling, you dirty, rotten. Uh, he loves it. You don't see Jesus modeling it. Don't do it. You say, well, what do you do? Calm down. Get out of the flesh. Get out. He got you in the flesh. He got you all explosive in the soul. Get out of that realm because you're not effective there against him. Go to the throne of grace. Talk to God first. Let him minister. Get some mercy and find grace to help in the time of need so that when you talk to the devil, you're landing blows. And you don't have to, you don't have to give whole chapters of instructions to him. You're telling him what the word says. You're telling him what God says. You have nothing to reason with, reason with him, not a word. I mean, Jesus didn't. Can't, can't improve on Jesus, can we? Let's look at the second example of what Jesus demonstrated or taught about dealing with our enemy in authority. And we're going to look at Luke, the 10th chapter, starting with verse 18. Now, his disciples had been given authority, and they had commanded devils to come out of people, and it worked, and they were like, woo, this works. So they came back to Jesus. They were thrilled, and he said, yeah. He told them, I saw Satan fall from heaven like lightning. It was like, mm-hmm, yeah, mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I saw him fall. So what's that? Jesus was never overly impressed or overawed with Satan because he knew him. Uh, 
You don't want to be the one in reporting what the devil's doing or what he's saying, manifestations, that there's this, this tone of awe and amazement in your voice. Jesus saw him fall. <laughs> Jesus went on to say, he said, look, I've given you authority over all the power of the enemy, and you can walk among snakes and scorpions and crush them, and nothing will injure you. This is even before he went to the cross. This was with the delegated authority that he had gotten from his father in his name. And he delegated that authority to his disciples. Let's go on and keep reading what Jesus said. He said, but don't rejoice because evil spirits obey you. Really? That seems like something I, you know, we should rejoice about. We should be happy about. Yeah, be glad about that. But in comparison to what Jesus is fixing to say, don't let your big, big joy be in that you have authority over the devil. Keep reading. Rejoice because your names are registered in heaven. Don't yawn on that second part of the verse and be thrilled with the first part. Jesus said, be excited that your name is registered in heaven, indicating that you are a child of the Almighty God. Be excited that you are a citizen of a kingdom that will never come to an end and whose authority there is no end of. Be glad about that. Make a big deal about that because that's where you get your identity. So he said, "Don't." Uh, we can learn from what this verse to don't be overly attracted to the devil's work and even your authority over those works. Don't be overly attracted. Why? Because it's a trick if you do that. It's a trick. Your over-attraction to that, the devil will use to draw your attention, listen to this, to more activity of his. If you're fascinated with the devil, he'll put you on a show. And it'll be one thing, and it'll be another thing, and it'll be that thing, and it'll be that thing, and it'll be that thing. Don't be overly impressed with him. He will absorb all your time. He'll draw attention to himself. And then listen to this. He'll draw attention to you. Yes, indeed. Both of those are real slippery ground. When our eyes leave, Jesus, and we start looking, wow, I am, I am this amazing, you we keep our eyes on Jesus. Listen to this. Your kingdom citizenship, citizenship is worth your attention. Now let's look at the last verse, verse 21. At that same time, Jesus was filled with the joy of the Holy Spirit. I love this. After this amazing conversation he's just had, the Bible said he was filled with the joy of the Holy Spirit. Something about that made him really happy. And he said, oh, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, thank you for hiding these things from those who think themselves wise and clever and revealing them to the childlike. Yes, Father, it pleased you to do it this way. What is he saying here? Or what is one, at least one thing that he's saying here? There are those who scoff at the very thought that you and I, followers of Jesus, could have authority over the devil. How, how ludicrous, how, how arrogant, how crazy that... We think we have authority over the devil. That's just something for apostles in the Bible. Jesus said this. He said, yeah, there's people who won't understand this, and they're trying to sort it right up here. It's not revealed to them in their head. But then there's just simple people that just heard what Jesus said about delegated authority, and they go, okay, I believe that. Okay, I'll do that. Yeah, I got that. And they'll just do it. When it comes to things that Jesus says 
and he offers. Let's not try to talk him out or talk ourselves out of the right of receiving these wonderful things. Let's just be simple and go, okay, yeah. You say I have authority? Okay, help me to learn how to use it. Believe it. Because these things are activated not by doubt. Oh, I just don't know. They're not activated by doubt and skepticism and, and snarkiness. They're activated by believing. Let's look at a, another one. Jesus had asked his disciples who people said he was. And, and they came up with all kind of answers, and they were wrong. And then he said, who do you say I am? And Peter said, thou art what? Yeah, you're the Christ, the son of the living God. It was a really tremendous proclamation. And Jesus said this, replied, you are blessed, Simon, son of John, because my father in heaven has revealed this to you. You didn't just come up with this on your own. You did not learn this from any human being. Now remember that. Who revealed it to Peter? God revealed it to Peter. Then he, Jesus went on to say this. Now I say that you, Jesus was talking to Peter. He said, now I say you're Peter which means rock, and upon this rock I will build my church and all the powers of hell will not conquer it. And I give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you forbid on earth will be forbidden in heaven and whatever you permit on earth will be permitted on, in heaven. Now, so some would think, well, then is, is Jesus saying here that he's going to build his church, that the gates of hell will not prevail. He's going to build it on Peter. And it could sound like that unless you actually read the whole context of it because the rock that he's talking about is not any other rock than what the whole Bible refers to as a rock. The rock is actually God himself. And Jesus Christ himself, God is a rock, the one who was, the one who is, the one who is to come. But that rock speaks of Peter's revelation of who he is. I mean, God is who he is, but unless you know, unless you have an, a, a revelation of who he is, you might not ever accept it. You may act as though there wasn't even a God. So revelation is really important. But not only the revelation of Jesus is important, but the revelation of Jesus to you is important. Just like Jesus identified who Peter really was. He said, yeah, and you're Peter. That rock of revelation is a revelation of Jesus, and it is also a revelation of you, who God, not the devil, not your friends, not your family, not your past. What God says you are, what he reveals to you about you on the revelation of Jesus and the revelation of the truth about you, the church is built and the gates of hell cannot prevail against that truth. So, but this thing about permitting and forbidding saying no and saying yes on earth and it being said no or yes in heaven, was that just to Peter? Well, some would have said so, but Jesus repeated himself two chapters later in Matthew, the 18th chapter, to make sure that we didn't just think this was for Peter. Only Peter can forbid. And he's been dead now 2,000 years, and now everything is a go. No. Matthew 18 and verse 18, Jesus re 
repeated himself, not because he forgot what he said in chapter 16. He said it for emphasis. He said it for clarification. And he wanted to make sure that we all knew what our responsibility was. He said, I tell you the truth, whatever you forbid on earth will be forbidden in heaven. And he was talking to the disciples at this time, not just Peter. In whatever you permit on earth will be permitted in heaven. And then he went broad. Then he went really broad. He went 2022 broad. He went you broad. What do I mean by that? He said this in verse 20, for where two of three are gathered together as my followers, I am there among them. Theologians that have written commentaries, uh, many of them agree that this is it's a referral of ecclesia. It is, what do I mean by that? It's the church. It's a delegation of authority to the church. That when we're gathered together, we are a legislating body that we permit things and we forbid other things. It's a right, but it's also a responsibility. If we don't do it, it doesn't get done. We sang today, he's never lost a battle. He's never lost a battle. There has never been a battle that has been lost when we've shown up to say no because heaven has said no to back us up. He just needs us to do our job. And the last Adam gave us an opportunity for us to do the job that the first Adam didn't do. And he defaulted to a loss. We have been given the right to say no. You don't have to take everything that life just gives you. Just give me the grace to endure it. Why don't you do what Jesus said and say no? Say no. We can receive grace to help us in the time of need, and it endures, it makes us endure and be strong and have patience and all. But when it is a work of the enemy, God wants you to say no. No. Not in my family, not in my body. No. And when we say no, he said, heaven backs us up. Praise God. Let's give him. Hallelujah. Let's give him the opportunity to back us up. We're not going to default on this responsibility. And we not only have a, de we have a wonderful responsibility of saying no, we also have a responsibility of saying yes. And so we're going to look in 2 Chronicles, the 20th chapter. I don't know, do we have, if we don't have that up there, that's fine. We do. 2 Chronicles, the 20th chapter. I love this old time story. Three armies had sur surrounded uh, the people of God, not one, not two, three. It was certain annihilation. Absolute, no way out. Jehoshaphat, King of Je Jehoshaphat, set himself to seek the Lord, and they fasted, they prayed, they looked to the Lord, and, um, and God told them this. This is really amazing. He said, Listen, all you people. This is God talking to them through spirit of prophecy. Listen, all you people of Judah and Jerusalem. Listen, King Jehoshaphat. This is God talking to us. I think sometimes he's begging us. Listen, not to the television. Listen, not to the news coming up on your, your screens. Listen to me. Because victory comes in my voice. Faith that overcomes the world comes in my voice and only in my voice. So he said, listen, all you people of Judah and Jerusalem, listen, King Jehoshaphat, this is what the Lord says. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged by this mighty army. 
And then this famous scripture, for the battle is not yours, but God's. But he wasn't done talking yet. Wasn't done talking. He didn't go on to say, well, so y'all go on holiday while God fights. No. He said, tomorrow, march out against them. In other words, show up. Tomorrow, march out against them. You will find them coming up through the ascent of Ziz on the end of the valley that opens into the wilderness of Jeruel. But you will not need to fight. Take your positions, then stand still and watch the Lord's victory. He is with you, O people of Judah and Jerusalem. Do not be afraid or discouraged. Go out against them tomorrow, for the Lord is with you. So he told them, he said, and there are other stories in the Bible of them fighting, but he said in this, he said, your, your thing is not to fight. Your thing is not to fight them. Your thing is to show up because when you show up, he shows up. He comes in your presence into a situation. If you don't ever show up, it doesn't give him an opportunity to show up on your behalf. Show up. And they showed up. <laughs> they showed up in this story. They didn't show up with a, with a no. They showed up with a song, with a yes. We always have something we can do. There is a right to say no. But in this story, they showed up and said, the Lord is good and his mercy endures. And the second verse of the song was much like the first one. The Lord is good and his mercy again. Third verse, the Lord is good and his mercy endures. And the goodness of God was greater than the badness of the enemy. Sing. Raise a hallelujah in the presence of the enemy. Raise a hallelujah. Lift it up. Sing. We'll not be discouraged. We'll not fear. But we will step in, not default. We'll step up, not back. We will step up and we will say yes to the promise of God. Did God say it? If he did, believe it. Praise the Lord. If you guys can come, hallelujah. Amen. Well, we're going to, we're going to pray for you in just a moment. I just want to encourage us in these days. There are some situations on a personal level, on a family level, on um, uh, our church level, our community, our nation, and God is looking not at the angels of heaven. He's looking to the ones he gave the keys to the kingdom to. And that is us. And the keys enable us to say a resounding no. And also to say a, an absolute explosive yes to God and to his will. Amen. So let's just sing it right now. Praise the Lord. Your name is life. Yes, it is. His name is life. Break every show. Break every show. That's what it does. Shine through the shadows. Shine. Burn like a fire. Your name is power. Your name is healing. Your Oh. 
Father God, for the power of the name of Jesus to break strongholds, long-term strongholds, <laughs> we, just, we just apply the name, we apply the blood of Jesus, we apply the word of God, we apply the anointing of the Holy Spirit. We're so thankful, Father, that in you there is victory. You've ordered it. You've ordered it. And in Jesus' name, I take authority over taunting lies of the enemy that say it cannot happen to you. It hasn't happened. It will not happen. Something's wrong. It cannot happen. And in Jesus' name, I identify that as a lie from the enemy. It has to happen because he's already established the victory in his son. Hallelujah. We claim that victory. We believe that victory and we act like it's true. And we sing victory. We sing victory in our lives. Hallelujah. I see, I see people that have been very aware of the work of the enemy and even addressing the work of the enemy. But for some people that are in this category, there is a turning of your face to what God has and what God is doing. And your voice is lifted up in song. Your voice is lifted up in praise. And that praise cuts. And that, pra that praise breaks. And that praise shakes what the enemy thought could not be shaken. <laughs> but your praise will shake it in Jesus' name. So right now, I'd like you just to lift up your heart and your praise again one more time. Father, we're so thankful. So thankful. So thankful. So thankful. So thankful. So thankful. So thankful.
say yes to Jesus, if you've never said yes to his lordship in your life, that'll be your prayer today. Say, yes, Jesus, yes, I want you in my life. Yes, Jesus, I want your lordship in my finances. I want your lordship in this body of mine. I want your lordship in my family. I want your lordship. I welcome your lordship in the decisions of my life. You are Lord. I say yes. Amen. On the count of three, let's just lift up a big yes. Can we? One, two, three. Amen. 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 This week as you go, just be really aware you have keys that enable you and responsibility to use those keys to say no and to say yes. Be a blessing to people. Take authority over the works of the devil and initiate and be a blessing to the kingdom of heaven by saying yes to what God wants to do in people's lives. Amen. God bless you. Those of you that have joined us online, God bless you. And uh, as we go, we're going to go singing. Amen. God bless you. If you would like more information or resources on this or other topics, or if you would like to sow into this ministry financially to help us share messages just like this one each week, please visit our website at brainer.org.au.